0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Great guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Mike Fratello today. Chris Russo on the baseball scandal. College football will never be the same. We'll talk about it. And I am feeling very nostalgic. And today we're going to talk about that too. All that and a whole lot more. Let's roll. Here we go. Go, go.
0: Only one place to start.
1: All right, our one place to start is baseball. We've got ourselves a scandal. Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Mike and Mike, once upon a time, became Mike and Mike because of the steroid scandal. That was our big story forever. Early 2000s as we were building our show and I was frantically and desperately every single day trying to figure out what stories would resonate nationally. What stories baseball fans in every city where our show was being heard might be interested in. We seized on steroids, and to our never-ending good fortune, that became the biggest story in sports of that decade, and we covered it like crazy. I will never forget the late Elijah Cummings, congressman, grilling Rob Manfred in the halls of the the U.S. Congress and mentioning our show. To to this day, a moment I will never forget when Elijah Cummings looked at uh, Rob Manfred, who was then the chief attorney for Bud Selig, and said, Mr. Manfred, Yesterday, on the Mike and Mike show, on ESPN radio, and I went nuts (laughs) sitting in my house watching these congressional hearings about steroids. Let's be clear on what that was. Let's be clear on what steroids were. That was huge star players blatantly and flagrantly violating a rule the sport had never actively enforced and putting up historic numbers as a result. That's what that was. Well, here we are 20 years later. And Garrett Cole is being asked about blatantly and flagrantly violating a rule. The sport has never actively enforced and putting up historic numbers as a result. And he didn't sound any better talking about it yesterday than Mark McGuire did that famous day in front of Congress. I
2: don't, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players.
1: Oh, good God. I mean, have you ever heard anything more painful and awkward to listen to than that? You're not being deposed. When you are asked a yes or no question and your answer is, I really don't know how to respond to that, something has gone sideways. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Listen, here's what he's saying. It's just like what was happening in steroids. What he's saying is, when I got here, the players told me, don't worry about the rule, everybody does this, and if you don't, someone else will. It's as simple as that. The thinking is the exact same. The issue, of course, couldn't be more different. Steroids, especially the way those guys were using them, posed a serious threat to their health, and worse than that, to the health of countless people, including high school age kids, who tried using them without any idea what they were doing. This is, in fact, of course, this is a sticky substance being hidden on the brim of your cap or on your belt or on your glove or wherever it is these guys are hiding it and putting it on their fingers and getting it on the baseball and getting more spin on your ball. That's not obviously a dangerous activity, but it is having a, a, a disproportionate impact on the sport that we are watching. So what is this situation now? Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. What is this situation, and what is the appropriate level of outrage for those of us who love the sport to feel? I will ask that question to Chris Russo, who will join us a little less than an hour and a half from now. Don't miss that. In the meantime, Hembo, I'll ask you right this minute. What is the appropriate level of upset for baseball fans to be, with what appears to be, again, the flagrant and blatant disregard for a rule that has been around but been unenforced for a very long time.
2: You're more than welcome to be outraged. In fact, I'm outraged. And the reason for it is because while, no, this doesn't impact the health of any people, it very much does impact the health of my favorite sport. It absolutely is having the same impact on baseball as steroids did in reverse. Steroids, as we learned over the course of time, which many, many people were using, juiced up and and added so much offense to the game to which baseball's ecosystem became imbalanced, right? And thus, the record book, which we held as sacred, was essentially rendered moot. The same exact thing is happening now in reverse, it just so happens that these thick, sticky substances are helping pitchers so much so that the same thing is going to happen. We just don't hold those kinds of pitching records in the same high esteem as we did the home run record, for example. So to me, it's having the, uh, the sort of the same exact impact steroids did. I'm not quite as outraged as I was then, clearly. it's not. You did a good job of, of differentiating the issues, but it's having a massive impact on the on-field product. And as, and as a lifelong fan of baseball, yeah. I'm outraged.
1: The reason that you're not as outraged is because the act isn't as outrageous, but it is potentially as impactful to the sport. And it has, you said, you use the right word, which is reverse. This is all happening in reverse. And whereas the the impact on the sport in the 90s made it more popular, people were showing up and tuning in to see Maguire and to see Sosa and and, and, and even Bond's By the time Bonds was doing what Bonds was doing, everyone was already kind of looking sideways at it. But any of us who were old enough to have lived through Maguire and Sosa, it was the most exciting thing and most positively impactful, at least in the moment, thing that baseball had going by far. People were making an argument they had saved the sport coming out of the devastating lockout of, of 94 that canceled the World Series. This is having the opposite impact. You're having the equal opposite reaction which is that it is probably making the game less watchable. When pitches are dominating to the extent that they're dominating right now, it is contributing to making it less exciting to watch.
2: Very much so. On All-Star Weekend, Greeny, we have a home run derby. We don't have a spin rate derby. Right. Right? These are the things that people cared about then, and that's probably a big reason why baseball turned a blind eye to it when they did was because it was aiding the popularity of baseball at a time in which they really needed it. Well, Right now, baseball is in sort of an, uh, a, f- a flow uh, rather than an ebb at that time. And for my money, yes, it's, it's, it's hard to estimate exactly how much these substances are impacting you know, the, the run scoring environment. There's really no way to, to, to really quantify it. But all you have to do is look at the numbers like we do all the time. Record low batting averages and record high strikeout rates. And you blend all these things together. These pitchers obviously don't need any more help. And the data is very clear. If, you've got a, if you have a sticky substance on your finger, you're going to be able to spin the baseball considerably more. And if you're able to do that, you're just going to be way more effective as a pitcher. The career of Garrett Cole is a perfect example of that.
1: Well, so that then becomes the other thing that happened, is that in, during the steroid scandal, a lot of players got marked with the scarlet letter. You had the scarlet S uh, for steroids, and some of them didn't deserve it. And we probably will never know. And anyone who remembers those guys in front of Congress and all the various things that happened when Mark McGuire lost the ability to formulate a, a complete sentence, Sammy Sosa lost the ability to speak the English language. And Kurt Schilling went up there and just threw everybody he could find under the bus. <laughs> I mean, those were dramatic days and those were big stars. And now you're getting the same thing. You're getting Garrett Cole now sitting there being I, I wouldn't even call that being under inquisition i mean they were just asking him a question and he just couldn't answer it it was so excruciating to watch <laughs> and you have a guy like jacob de Gram who might be frank thomas he might very well be the one clean man in the room who's not actually doing it but people are going to look askance at what he's doing because he's the best so out of one side of our mouth we will say Right now, Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher I've ever seen. I believe I said those words on this show last week. Jacob deGrom is right now the best pitcher I've ever seen. But is there, even though the people around him are standing up for him like crazy, which you would expect there is still now going to be
2: some cloud of suspicion around what he's doing. There has to be, because he's, anytime someone's doing something that no one's ever done before, you almost have to be suspicious. It's just always curious to me what people really seem to care about and get outraged over. Steroids, yes. Astros, trash can banging, yes. This, no, but why not? It's having the same exact impact. It's, it, you're cheating you're, to gain a competitive advantage. It's as simple as that. I, I guess it's because this is
1: a little bit of cheating. Like, I mean, going back generations that they used to throw the spitball and all that kind of stuff where there's it's always been to some degree romanticized mm-hmm. like this this feels more like it falls under the heading of if you ain't cheating you ain't trying than the steroids thing did which felt like it was really attacking the fabric of the sport not to mention the fact that the act itself is so different the idea of of you know mm-hmm. sort of quietly in some dark room or in the in the bathroom like getting injections of steroids
2: it's, it's just it feels different and than you putting can, scotch tape on your freaking finger and you can physically see the difference in the people too, right. which i also think matters but to me it's impacting the game just as much in reverse
1: all right we will talk with chris russo about that when he joins us a little bit later you know whether your best means being the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet you're going to need some help Almonds are your snack to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So refuel with almonds. California almonds own your everyday, every day. We've got Mike Fratello, the czar, will join us next on All the Basketball. Again, Chris Russo coming up later today and a whole lot more. Stay there. We're just getting started. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around
0: different stressors. I do, you do, we all do.
1: greenie you're listening to espn radio we stream every single day on espn plus i'm presented by progressive insurance guests like mike fratello coming up shortly chris russo later today appearing on the goodyear hotline <coughs> we'll get into all of that and more in 30 seconds i'll spend these 30 seconds with some straight talk sure saving money feels good By cutting your wireless bill in half that feels really good like walk off home run in the ninth inning good With Straight Talk, you can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month. That's up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract, all on America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight Talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Again, we hope to have Mike Fitello for you here in just a matter of moments. And it feels to me as we look back last night's NBA action here, and, and I will run through it for a moment as we wait and see if we can figure out how to get a hold of the czar. And if not, I can move on to a few other things. But last night's action, there are basically two headlines. One, I know Nikola Jokic won the MVP, and I'm fully in support of that. I said it a million times. He is going to win. I've said this now for weeks and months. He's going to win, and I'm not going to complain. He deserved the award. And he's the first center to win it in 21 years, since Shaq did in 2000. But when Joel Embiid is at his best, he's playing a different game than Jokic is he's an entirely different style of center when Embiid plays the way he has played in these first two games he reminds you a little bit of what it used to be like when the NBA had guys like that <laughs> you know when the sport was played that way and I'm being told I have Mike Fratello ready to go and I am delighted to bring longtime NBA coach and longtime NBA broadcaster uh, Mike Fratello into the conversation here on ESPN radio good morning Mike and thank you for making a few minutes how are you? I'm doing
3: great. Thanks for having me on.
1: It's, it's a pleasure. And I, I wanted to start. I was just sort of starting to to pontificate a little bit about Joel Embiid and the way he has played in these first two games of this series against Atlanta, 39 points, then 40 points, dominating on the inside. It's a style of play that we just so, see so little of in the NBA today, where Nikola Jokic, brilliant. He's the MVP of the league, but that's what a center does now is he hangs around on the perimeter, and he shoots threes, and he makes passes. Joel Embiid, his physical dominance inside, as someone who has been watching the sport a long time, like me or like you have, there's something about watching him that maybe it's nostalgia, but I really enjoy watching him doing what he's doing.
3: Well, you hit it, I think, right on the head when you say uh, the nostalgia part of it because what, when do you go back and remember centers that played with their back to the back and you uh, that way? And probably a pretty good example that I, I read about this morning, uh, Jokic winning the MVP, think back who was the last center to win an MVP award in the league, and that was 21 years ago, mm-hmm. which was Shaquille O'Neal, and before Shaq, it was five years before that with David Robinson. So we have been missing those dominant players because the game has changed, the style of shooting, and these young. Jokic is combining both the ability to score down low with his great ability to go out beyond the three point line, not only make shots, but then direct a the team from out there. Uh, Embiid, I'm much happier seeing Joel taking his game down to the low post area, although he will go out occasionally and make his three, and Doc lets him shoot his couple a game to keep happy. Uh, but there's one of the true centers that just basically overpower his defender.
1: Absolutely. And, and so he's been brilliant in these first two games. And that looks like it's going to be a really good series. The other series in the East, I'm very worried about, to be honest with you, Mike. I was, I was hoping that Nets-Bucks would be the best series of the playoffs um, because they felt to me like maybe the two best teams. And so far, only one of them has shown up. And, and that's without even James Harden being healthy. How do you explain the total one-sided nature of that series? And do you believe Milwaukee can play its way back in? I think
3: Milwaukee has enough pride within its organization and, you know, what has happened to them the last couple of years in the playoffs and now start out the way they did in these first two games. It seems like when it gets to playoff time, and it happens to a lot of teams, Mike, you know, this. their shots disappear. Guys who are shot made during the regular season don't make shots playoff time. Uh, Middleton and Holiday so far in the first two games have combined to shoot thirty one percent from the floor, they go nine fifty eight percent from the free throw line, six of thirty from those two guys uh from downtown, so suddenly the shot disappears, and in brooklyn we 're talking about the premier team in the league as far as shot making ability between guys, and they don 't have one of the best three even playing for them but they seem to bring guys in off the bench like Blake goes for 18 and 14 to one game. Mike James plays 30 minutes when in the first round, did Mike James get in the games at all? You know, it's hard to remember that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden he's playing 30 minutes coming up with 12 points. So, you know, Brooklyn is such a powerful team in scoring points. If your team has a problem against in a certain area, you're going to really struggle uh, to win. I- I'm, I'm looking for them to go back home it really shows something at the defensive end of the floor that they haven't done yet. I'm mean, wondering where their defense gone in the first two games. But that can be said a lot against Brooklyn because they score so many points.
1: Absolutely. Mike Fratello is with us here on ESPN radio. Let's talk specifically about Giannis, who is the two-time MVP of the league and is inarguably a an extraordinary player. His talent level, his physical ability is is off the charts. I, I You have to love the motor. You have to love the dedication, all those things. But are we seeing flaws? I, I hate even using that word because it sounds like you're criticizing him. Are we seeing the little things that he doesn't have in his game that that are that are going to keep him from being able to be a player who can carry a team over the threshold? Which is to say, is he going to be a guy who's going to need someone else to join him who can be counted on to make shots, who can be counted on to score somewhere outside of the paint, is, are the little flaws, the tiny little flaws that he have, showing themselves right now this season and in the playoffs in general, to be too much for him to overcome without having some other player of his caliber to help him get across the finish line?
3: Mike, every so often great players have to look in the mirror and say, okay, it's, it, I know I can really play. I'm a great – I'm an elite-level player. However, maybe I need to do something. Maybe I need to tweak my game a little bit to make us win more games. I thought Holiday was a great pickup for this team. I think it showed, okay, uh, coming down the stretch of the regular season in the first round of the playoffs that it was a great pickup by the Milwaukee Bucks to bring in Holiday. However, there was a stretch that I got to see – let's say, four or five Milwaukee games during the regular season. I just happened to be able to catch their game on those particular nights. And I watched, and I said, wow, the Bucks have made an adjustment. Uh, Mike Budenholzer has gotten to Giannis, and I don't see him out beyond the three-point line, try to prove to everybody that I can make a shot. Look, Giannis has a terrific handle for a guy his size. He has such great athleticism. But why not put him down closer to the basket more often to show that he could overpower almost every defender that would be matched up against him. And I thought I was seeing that in those four or five games and Milwaukee was playing really, really well. But then when he starts to drift back out, because I don't know if he's trying to prove something to the rest of the league, that, hey, I can make enough shots out here to keep you honest. Right now it's not happening. So why not do what might be the best thing for your team to win more games And that is get that big, long body below the foul line area and play rather than playing from above the three-point line. Because teams are crowding, packing it in. You're seeing three jerseys all the time. And if you can't kick it out and have a guy on a regular basis making shots to help you out, then you've got a problem there. So sometimes you as a great player have to look and say, Maybe I need to make that adjustment. Maybe I need to listen to my coach trying to – and it's so sensitive for head coaches nowadays in the league to be able to have a line of communication and just – you know, there are coaches that are afraid to say to their smart players, hey, look, we don't need you shooting all these threes. We need to get you down low and nobody can handle you. This is how you'll help our team. You're being honest to the guy. You're being honest to the rest of the team by doing that, and you're giving yourselves a better chance to win you got to look it over and decide what's the best for everybody.
1: That, that's such interesting insight. We'll see if that winds up being an adjustment they make going into what is a must-win game three tomorrow night. Greenie and, and the great Mike Fertello. Let me ask you one about the West. Um, you've, got, you've got four teams left, and it feels wide open. One of those teams has Chris Paul. One of those teams has Kawhi Leonard. The other one has the MVP of the league. But the best team all season long has been Utah, and their best player is Donovan Mitchell. As he matures, Mike, is he ready, in your opinion, to be the best player on a team that wins an NBA championship this soon?
3: You know, in the first three minutes of the second half, Utah was a different team last night. They came out, turned the game around, led by Donovan Mitchell. And Think about the poor guys on the Clippers that just got done trying to guard Luka Doncic. Mm -hmm. Last night, they are (laughs) on. Oh, no, not another one who can get 40 every night. He walks out there against us. Like, he's a hard guy. You say, keep the ball in front of you. First rule of defense, keep the ball in front of you. Well, that's easier said than done when you're trying to guard Donovan Mitchell. And they come and set those screens, and he attacks the guy who's playing the screen. always with his quickness, athleticism. And, you know, this is a guy who is he – would you like to put three more inches on him? Yeah, then – we're talking about somebody that maybe you can't handle at all. But this is a guy at his size, with his great athleticism, with his strength that he has and and his handle with the ball, but shot making ability. I, I saw him last night hit a couple of those threes, and you know, I just got done doing that whole first round series against Dallas, and it was so reminiscent of Doncic who was unstoppable at times. No one could stop him. They eventually started double teaming Dodgers to take the ball out of his hands. Then you're relying on the rest of your people to get into the get to the other shooters. And if you got a couple other hot hands, that's one thing. If you don't, then it's a problem. But we know all year long Utah has been a tremendous three point shooting team. So last night when the game ended, I said, Wow, Utah second half, all those threes that they made You know, for the game, Utah made 17. Clippers made 16. So it's not like there was a a large discrepancy. The problem was guys that did not make shots. Let's face it. Kawhi Leonard in the first round was Superman. He played at a level that doesn't happen very often in playoff basketball. But Kawhi last night had a normal star game. PG could not make shots just four of, what, four 17 from the floor. And Maybe the key guy to their team, Marcus Morris Sr., just four of 14. When he has his normal good nights, they're tough to beat that team. When he struggles, they struggle, the Clipper organization, the Clipper team, when they're on the floor. Those three guys combined, just 17 of 50 last night, shot 34%. And... They still had a chance to win that game, Greeny.
1: They did. Yeah, within three, and they had a a shot theoretically in the air. It got got blocked before it really got in the air by Rudy Gobert at the end. Mike Fertella with me on the Goodyear Hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. One more thing before I let you go. Um, I I think a lot of us who've been around a while – Really enjoyed the, the, the fact that you and Marv got to do one last game together or one more game together. Maybe it won't be the last, but one more game together at the beginning of this postseason. And I just I wanted to get a quick thought from you, if I could, on what that was like. And, and you know, as Marv has announced that he, this is going to be his last season, at least doing games to the degree that he's doing them now. Just a thought or two on that relationship and that partnership, which was really one of the iconic duos, I think, in the history of sports broadcasting.
3: Well, a special a blessing for me that I was able to do that, and a thank you to T for allowing me to come back and do one more game with Marv before this season ended. Uh, think about how lucky I was coming out of the Atlanta situation after seven years there with all the great players that I had, you know, Dominique, Doc Rivers, and on and on and on, and uh, what happened over those seven years. coach, And now – all of a sudden, you're not working, and what comes along, NBC gets the rights to the NBA by outbidding CBS, and NBC, who had not done pro basketball, is scrambling in the off season to try and put everything together. You know, what do we do here? What do we do there? They're doing interviews. Pat Riley was up for one of the jobs, and Chuck Daly was up for one of the jobs, and and I interviewed for the sideline position, hmm. but then Chuck goes back to coaching, and Pat Riley co-hosts with Bob Costas on the studio show. Suddenly, there's an opening for a columnist. They give me the opportunity to work alongside of Marv Albert, and that became our team for. The three great years and everything that happened, the finals and all-star games and the Olympics with Dream Team 1. And I can't tell you how special a guy he is. He is the most prepared person that you'll ever be alongside. He was a great teacher to me. Was never, never afraid to share his thoughts on how I could try to be better in the broadcast. And you get a feel for each other. We spent so much time together, so many games together. Uh, and we became so close outside of our profession. We became very close as friends, and, and I will always be thankful to him for helping me come along and be his partner and chip in wherever I could, but uh a iconic figure in the game of basketball.
1: Mike Fratello, it's a pleasure to catch up. Thank you. We'll do this again, I hope, uh, as we go down the road here. Enjoy the games, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
3: Pre- appreciate it, Mike. Thank you.
1: All right, take care. That's Mike Fratello, and obviously – uh, phone line sort of in and out there a little bit but it felt worth staying with because I, I liked the things he was saying and it just kept I thought it was just good enough um, and I really did enjoy it look I'm an, I'm a broadcasting geek right that's what I do it's the only thing I've ever done professionally those guys are so good together and when Marv you know dubbed him the czar of the Telestrator as only Marv can I interviewed Marv on my podcast last fall and he talked about the, the, the partnership with Mike Fitello and the fun that they had and Marv is so funny I mean Marv Telling the story about one time, there's a bump shot. This is just a classic Marv. There's, they're going out. So a bump shot is when they'll just take a random shot of something else as so they're going to a commercial break, and somehow they cut to a shot and there is a dog with a cigarette in its mouth. <laughs> and Marv Albert goes, "Just ad libs. You hate to see a dog who smokes, <laughs> which is just <laughs> incredibly funny." But that's the, that this is what it was. Like it was so. It was so it just all felt so totally natural and spontaneous when those guys did it. And I really enjoyed it. So it was nice to hear from Mike Fratello. I'm glad that we did that. Let me give you a a few numbers that Hembo was putting up on my screen as we were talking. Donovan Mitchell in his last 15 playoff games has scored 490 points. The only other active players to do that in a 15 game span are LeBron James and Kevin Durant. So that's it. That's the whole list of active players to do that, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell. That's how good he's been in the playoffs. And you just heard Mike Fratello say it. If you put another three inches on him, he'd, he'd be where Luka is right now. He'd be the guy everyone is talking about starting a team with. Also, if you put him in a different market, he, what he's doing now would be getting more attention than it is. And that's why having Dwayne Wade there, Jalen was making the point, having Dwayne Wade in Utah, one of the most important things Dwayne Wade can do is try and convince Donovan Mitchell to make his career in Utah, not succumb to all the big market pressure that is going to at some point exist, in the way that Giannis has decided to stay, at least uh, for the foreseeable future in Milwaukee, because they're building something special in Utah. I mean, they were the best team in the league all year long. And... We'll see if they're able to take it over the finish line. Mitchell scored 45 last night. Going back, by the way, to the Giannis piece. Hembo put this on the screen. He has made six jump shots this postseason out of 35 attempts. He's six for 35. He's shooting 17% on jump shots in this postseason. I mean, it's just a disaster. I I don't really know what to say, but... You just heard Mike Fratello say some coach has to be honest enough and, and powerful enough to say to him, get down below, the, ba- get down below the, the line, go down there and play down there where no one can stop you. Stop trying to shoot threes because that's what people are telling you the bigs in the NBA do. You can work on that all you want in the offseason, but until you start shooting better than 17% on jump shots, you're going to go down there, and we're going to figure it out from there. Do we think that's what's going to wind up happening for this game three?
2: I think so. I mean, they have to make an adjustment. The, the issue is his biggest strength as an offensive player is drawing fouls. He's not making foul shots now right. either. It's, it's a it's sort of a double-edged sword. He can't
1: make foul shots. He can't make foul shots, and he takes forever taking one, and, and they're putting a timer up on the screen, which is also, it's all in his head. I mean, all the stuff starts getting in your head, and I like him a lot. I mean, I'm predisposed toward liking him, and I enjoy, I enjoy everything about the way he plays, and I like his motor. I like everything about him. But right now he's a mess, and I think they're about to get swept. Uh, Greening is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer gives you multiple quote options so you can pick what's right for you. See for yourself at Progressive.com. We have so much more to do, including more basketball. Coming up next, I will tell you why history says one of these playoff series is already absolutely over that's next after this word from granger for all the ones who get it done granger is always there to help granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry 24 7 support free access to product specialists and experienced staff at over 250 local branches plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call 1-800-GRANGER click granger.com or just stop by back in a flash espn radio
0: greenie the podcast
1: i'm greenie reminding you if you ever miss anything on the show there are two excellent ways that you can catch up anytime literally any time of day that you want to one of them is on espn plus the show streams every single day we're there live and then it's there all day long so you can watch it anytime you want to the other is our podcast we're available both hours of the show posted daily as a podcast hashtag greenie is the name of the show and it's available wherever you listen to your podcast History says Brooklyn and Milwaukee is already over. Not just the eye test. <laughs> the eye test says that the Nets <laughs> are going to win that in three. But history says the Nets cannot lose and the Bucks cannot win. The Nets have an all-time series record when they lead a best of seven, two games to none. It's happened five times in their history, and they are 5-0. and zero. The Bucks, 15 times, have trailed a best of seven series, two games to none, and they are 0-15. So the Bucks have literally never in their franchise history, and that goes back, you know, 60 years or whatever it is, dug out of a love two-hole. And the Nets have never blown a 2 nothing lead. There isn't any obvious reason to think that's going to turn around here. The question is, can the Bucks find a way to win a single game? For the first time this morning, I will bring Hashtag Nuno into the program, the producer of this outstanding show and the most passionate and, and frankly, sort of disgruntled basketball fan I know. Do the Bucks show any pride whatsoever, Nuno, and avoid being swept?
2: Yes. Now I just hope that they can win Game 3 and make it interesting in Game 4 so that we can— trick ourselves into thinking there's a series. You really think they're going to win game three? I do think so. I, I There's no way that Blake Griffin can play as well as he did and guys like Mike James on the road. Like, I think it'll be a little easier. I'm hoping Chris Middleton actually hits some shots and that they get a game three. Uh, get this game three to, to actually make it slightly interesting. Green, I'd like you to guess the game three line in Vegas for Nets Bucks.
1: The, the game, the, you're saying that in such a way that suggests that it's going to surprise me. So I'm guessing you're going to tell me that I'm looking at your face and I, your face suggests to me that you're going to tell me the Bucks are favored, in which case I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave.
2: You're going to leave? you Are you going to leave this radio show to me? You're That's a dangerous the, proposition. The, the Bucks are a favorite in game three? The Bucs agree with, uh, the Vegas agrees with Nuno. The Bucs are a three-point favorite in game three.
1: Okay, let's have a conversation. Mm.
2: Okay, so...
1: Gambling has obviously become a very important part of the sports discussion. And I am fascinated by it. I'm interested in it. I've long supported legalized gambling. I, as I always say on this show, and I will say it forever, never, ever, ever bet money you cannot afford to lose without even thinking about it. But if you can afford to lose it without even thinking about it, it adds a little enjoyment, a little spice. I've always liked it myself. But I'm not an expert in it. So I've been following it more closely. I understand the way it all works. For the life of me, I cannot understand how the Bucs are favored in this game. The Nets playing. James Harden is sitting there drinking a big gulp on the sideline, <laughs> and the Nets are winning by 50 points three days ago. Giannis Antetokounmpo literally cannot throw the ball into the ocean. How in the world are the Bucs a three-point favorite? Because
2: that's how fans think, and that's not how Vegas thinks. Vegas does not overreact based upon one game. Vegas views that as one loss, right? And here, I'm looking at it right now, 92% of the public money right now is on Brooklyn, which is what you think. That's what Vegas wants you to think. Nuno's right. The Bucks are going to win game Okay, 30.
1: well, see, so that's the one thing that I do know. I've known this forever. If everyone, if 92% of the money is on anything, it goes the other way. It goes the other way. That's why there are all these big buildings in Las Vegas called casinos. They would be little shacks if 92% of the people wound up winning most of the time. I'm totally thrown by this mm-hmm. because I've been watching the sport my whole life, and I can't see. A, a, I don't think the Bucks have a snowball's chance in hell. Of, <laughs> I think it would be a, an accomplishment if they win a quarter. So <laughs> maybe they know Harden isn't playing. Do we know Harden isn't playing? I don't think I know Harden isn't playing. I don't expect Harden to play. No, no. Do we don't know that Harden isn't
2: playing? Right? I mean, no. And. Based upon that cryptic answer that uh, Steve Nash gave before Game 2, I don't think we're going to see him definitely not this series and possibly in the Eastern Conference Final.
1: Okay, so so that's so we're not going to get him back. I don't know. I, I, I Look, I hope you're right. I want to see a competitive series, regardless of who I'm rooting for to ultimately win the series. No one in my line of work or no one who cares about the sport at all wants to see a, a one-sided sweep. Boy, I have a tough time picturing Milwaukee turning it around and winning that game. By the way, one more thing. Derrick Rose getting a first-place vote for MVP might have been the funniest thing that happened in sports yesterday. (laughs) Um, When when Shefty first posted that, so I had a very busy day yesterday that I'm going to talk about a little off the top of our next hour here. But a very, very busy family time. My son's graduation is this week, and we had a, a beautiful event yesterday. So I was not, most of the day I spent not anywhere near looking at my phone. So when I, late in the day, was trying to just catch up on everything I missed, it was from Shefty that I saw who won the MVP <laughs> of award. Course. Like, just when I opened up Instagram, the first thing that popped up is a tweet from, or a, a, a post from Shefty that lists, Jokic wins the MVP. Okay, I, that's obviously not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And then it goes through all the rest of the first place votes, and at the bottom it says, Derek Rose got a first place vote. And... It was not until much later that I found out that that was a a composite of all the fans. How does that work? I didn't even know this was a thing. A
2: consensus fan vote, which accounts for they get one vote out of 100 first place votes. And their vote was Derrick Rose, who started three games this season. See,
1: what that is, is a perfect illustration of why they don't let the fans vote. (laughs) I mean, and I'm a fan and I have been all my life and I love it and all that. But even as a kid. Like when I would go, I used to love going. I'd go to Yankee Stadium as a kid, and he would get the ballots, and you would yeah. fill out the ballots. But I never liked it when people would just vote for all the Yankees. Like people sitting around me would just vote for all the. But no, that see, even then, like that didn't seem right to me. I was like, no, you got to vote for the best players. Mm-hmm. You know, you you vote for the right guys. So you, you vote for Thurman <laughs> and Reggie, but you don't vote for the other guys here. We gave Derek Rose a first place vote for. Uh, that's just. This is why it should take the fans' vote away. And it depresses me to say it. We're back in a flash on ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.